We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Lightyear's post-draft lottery after show. Andy Lou, you know who is the number seven pick? One Stephen Curry. You know who else is the number seven pick? One Chris Mullen. You know who else is the number seven pick? One Harrison Barnes. Uh, so, you know, two legends. One an all-time greatest player in franchise history legend. And one solid player. Uh, all things considered, getting the seventh and the fourteenth pick, I'm not gonna call it great, but it's like a sigh of relief because part of me was like, "Uh oh, if that Wolves pick doesn't convey it." So, two emotional state of minds that I want to run through here. Um, the first one is, if you did not see the Warriors come up with a fourteenth pick, they were going to be in the top four, something like that, right? So, I was pretty nervous going into it. For some reason, the, the show took fifteen minutes to get there. <laughs> right before Mark Tatum. I mean, that's one- that's that's the NBA, man. That's tip off at tip off at five thirty, and then it's five fifty seven. But it's oh man, Cassie Hubbard on the TV on the on the screen right now. Incredible, incredible stuff. But um, yeah, fifteen minutes to get going. Uh, Mark Tatum with one of the fakest smiles I've ever seen in my life. Did you see like just the way he was? It was very. Uh, <laughs> it looked like he just learned how to do that from like professional smilers. But he pulls that out. And it's the Golden State Warriors, which I guess was always going to be the most likely situa- uh, situation, right? Like 99%. But I was still kind of nervous. I don't know about you, Sam. I was still kind of nervous. I thought maybe, maybe the Warriors would get lucky, but they get the 14th pick. So that that was my first. I was like, okay. All right. So a little bit disappointing, but, you know, we knew that was going to happen. And then I'm with you, though. The further the Warriors got, like they didn't get the 10th pick, didn't get the 9th pick, didn't get the 8th pick. Then I was like, oh, shit. Like. Is there a chance that the, the Timberwolves are going to get a top three pick and the Warriors lose out on getting a pick entirely? I was thinking, like, if the Warriors end up with just a 14th pick, you know, that's a pretty bad scenario. So all in all, seventh pick, not bad, right? Yeah, this was I, this was the most likely scenario, and I can live with this scenario. I was I was a little terrified that the Wolves were going to end up keeping their pick. But you know what? It works out. This is kind of what we've been talking about. By the way, if you are in the Bay Area, you should buy tickets to come to our draft show at Standard Deviant, July 29th. We will link everything out, um, you know, on social media and all the places we do going forward. But with that said, 
I want to talk first about the Wiggins Delo trade. So now we know how it goes. So Warriors lose Kevin Durant. They turn it into D'Angelo Russell. They could have just let him walk and had a full mid-level and had maybe a little more space to play with, but they decided they wanted a max salary spot. So they do that. They then turn D'Angelo Russell into Andrew Wiggins and the seventh pick. Andy, do you consider that an overall success? You got to set me up. You, gotta, you, gotta, you know, I, I think I'll live with it. I think I'll live with it just because, look, there are there are other options that the Warriors could have done. Actually, the Lakers premium discord uh, went through some of the other options that the Warriors could have done, which included, you know, something along the lines of kind of staying put and leaving themselves more salary cap, cap flexibility where they could have added players here and there. Um, that's a very bad summary of, of what the discord channel uh, put together, but I think overall I'll live with it. I think I'll live with it. I think that tells me that's an organization that's willing to spend money um, on a player like, let's say, for example, Andrew Wiggins, who's cost a lot of money, but at least you save that slot. Um, I think for a situa- situation like this, this offseason, I don't know if Andrew Wiggins is the end goal for this team. I don't think so. But I think now that they've put together ammunition for a trade offer for something that makes sense where it would include Andrew Wiggins as the as the salary slot, right? And then you have the seventh and fourteenth pick where you can play with those and move off of those. And of course, you have James Wiseman as well if 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 that's something that they choose to do. So I think they have ammunition to make a trade. Um, how they got there, I guess you could argue great or not. But I think now that they can they can look forward and say, all right, we've got this. We can push all these things together to help Stephen Draymond and Clay win. Yeah, they have options. <laughs> um, I think for me, I want to see what they do with Wiggins. I think he had a really good year. I'm skeptical he'll repeat a year like this. Um, I I feel like Warrior fans just assume Wiggins is going to shoot 39% from three again. And I don't know if that's going to happen. But let's move this forward a little bit. Let's get back to the lottery here. So Warriors do have the number seven pick and the number 14 pick. This draft... It's kind of a four-player draft at this point. Like the top four picks, no one's going to move into the top four, in my opinion. Cade's going number one, and in some order, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, and Jalen Suggs are going to go two through four. Um, You can can argue who of two through four you like more. I kind of think – I kind of think Houston's going to reach on upside with Jalen Green, and I think it's probably the right move for a team like that. But, like, anyway, so I said those four are going to go in the top four. And then player five through 15 are all super talented, but it's to be seen. Some teams, like, love Scotty Barnes. Some teams have him at, like, 12. Some teams love Jonathan Kuminga. Some are, like, eh. Other, some teams love Moses Moody. Some teams. Don't. So it'll be interesting to see how this whole process plays out. I think it's a valuable pick, but it's it's not like a super valuable pick. It's like a B-level pick. I also think they kind of missed out on kind of the – you got the top four. You got Kamingo, who's a relatively – he's a decent prospect. I would say you could probably throw him in that second range. You could throw Scotty Barnes in there as well. So that's that's I in my opinion though, that's what five and six right there. Yeah. And then every everybody else is kind of a crapshoot. So I would say you got tier one, you know, Cade, maybe Mobley and and, and Green in the in the second tier. Jalen Suggs you could throw in there, he's a little bit more solid. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think from a well, I wouldn't be, perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was gonna say I wouldn't be surprised if guys like uh, Moses Moody were 
some teams liked him more than like Scotty Barnes because of shooting ability, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know our guy Evan Zamir, who uh, always has does great analytics work on Warriors Twitter and various blogs, and is generally pretty good with draft prospects. He thinks Moody is the fourth or fifth best prospect in this draft. So I take his word for it. I, I think the seventh is if is, is could be. I think the seventh pick could be value one. I think that's why the Warriors won't trade that thing. Like I don't think there's. They could if the right player comes along, but I think it's not a high chance, Sam. Like, what do you think? I think it's very, very likely. Like, I would say 50 50, maybe even 55 45 that they trade 14, right? But I think that number seven pick, what do you think? I don't think that's going anywhere. I think Warriors fans, if you're if you're looking for some fun in the offseason, start looking at Moody, start looking at Davion Mitchell, start looking at these guys, Franz Wagner, right? Like that's I think the Warriors are going shout to out, that pick. Shout yeah. out Josh Giddy. Yeah. Josh Giddy, uh, like he's another guy that I've seen pop up on my timeline a lot. <laughs> I'm intrigued by him. There's a lot of intriguing players in that range. Uh it's gonna be interesting to see who the Warriors like in smoke screen season the whole way through. Um Donovan, get out of the chat. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I just saw that one. Uh, I think it opens options for the Warriors, but not obvious options. So for me, it's going to be interesting because last year we know they were shopping the number two pick. They can say whatever they wanted. They were shopping it up until the draft. Then mm. they picked Wiseman. And you know, of course, we love Wiseman. We never were shopping. He was always our guy, right? Sure. You know how that goes, right? So I expect the same thing. The question is if they'll pull the trigger on any of these moves. If... um how much they value these picks. I think they value the picks pretty highly. I think if you listen to Joe Lacob on Tim Kawakami's podcast, a lot of that was salesmanship and bluster. And I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> take Lacob at his word on everything. Like, what do you want him to say? You want him to go on there and say, I hate my players? Like, he's not going to do that, right? Sure, sure. But I do think internally the Warriors do value draft picks. Like, they're not just going to throw them away. I think they really want high draft picks and prove they can draft and develop. So they might not just, they're not just going to attract, they're not just going to trade the number seven pick for like a marginal seventh man in the rotation, I guess. (laughs) Right. Right. As a team that, you know, I think the Warriors probably could have made a trade, right? There were probably offers out there. Same with Kelly Oubre. Um, uh, for a lot of people that maybe are new because, well, we've got a new interface that we're working with on Spotify. But like Kelly Oubre not being traded at the deadline, that's one of those things where I think the Warriors probably had some trade offers out there. They didn't make the trade because, I think not because they weren't trade offers, it's just because they valued the the asset, quote unquote, they had a lot more than other teams. I think the same went for the number two pick. They could have easily traded down to four, six, ten, right? And, and get yourself a Halliburton. 2020, right, is... is is very, very clear, Sam, but like they could have done that pretty easily if they wanted to. It's not that nobody wanted to trade for the second pick, um, but they valued James Wiseman, I think, a lot more highly uh, than probably a lot of other teams, right? Probably a lot of the teams in the NBA. And so they used that pick to, to draft them. And I think the same is going to go for this year. Somebody's going to ask for seven. Maybe they trade up. Maybe they trade out, whatever it is. But I think they're just going to value that seventh pick a lot more highly than and by the way, that's why they brought in Milojevic as a coach, because they want to get better at development. And development doesn't necessarily just mean a 19-year-old raw rookie. It means maybe a guy like Eric Pascal, who I think has a certain level of talent and maybe has gone sideways with the Warriors. Maybe, maybe a different coaching regime could have got more out of him this year instead of a player who kind of just went sideways the whole year. 
like development's important for, for all players. Maybe a better development environment could get Looney to do more things than just be like the most boringly fundamental solid defensive player of all time. You know, like those are all things. So we do know the Warriors want to create a team that can actually take on players and take them to the next level, quote unquote. And mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's important because when you're paying Stephen Curry a max and you're paying Clay Thompson a max, when you're paying Draymond Green that much money, you just don't have the money to go out and sign a bunch of dudes, right? Like that's yeah. that's kind of how it goes. So you got to be able to find, you know, maybe I'm looking at Phoenix now. You got to be able to find a guy like Campaign who kind of was bouncing around the league and hadn't established himself and be able to take him to the next level. Campaign guy, we're about to watch him go off. Yeah, you got a great. And I think the guy that campaigned for the Warriors is going to be Jordan Poole next season. That's right. that's that guy, which which they've hit on. Um, is so far right. Year one did not. Year two, actually, the latter half of year two, very very good. So we'll see what year three looks like for someone like Jordan Poole. Another interesting thing that I'm thinking about Sam too is uh is I think what you know what kind of say the the let's talk about front office first. So. How we feel that Steve Kerr is going to want to use these picks versus how Laker wants to use these picks, you know, and, and Bob Myers, right? Because I think maybe they are not all aligned, and that's probably a good thing. You don't want everybody all with the same opinion. But I'm curious how they feel about it, right? Is is Steve Kerr going to want the guy that's a little bit more playoff ready, or excuse me, more NBA ready? Maybe he wants a Duarte who's 24 years old or a Davion Mitchell, or are they going to move towards someone that's a li- little bit more uh, raw, quote unquote, like you were saying earlier? Right, if if a Kaminga upside down, reach yeah. reach upside over yeah. <laughs> over floor. So what kind of? So I think it's worth asking. Okay, so what do you think Steve Kerr wants? Steve Kerr wants the guy that can pass. He can shoot. He wants a guy that can pass and defend. He wants the all around player that I think is willing to play within a system. In my opinion, versus someone like if he had a chance between Jalen Green and Jalen Suggs, I think Steve Kerr's going Jalen Suggs. I think that's how I answer. I agree with you there. I think Kerr would go Suggs because he knows he has the IQ, he can play in a system, and there's a little upside there. Um, now, the real question is, what do you think the front office would want to do? <laughs> I think front office just wants talent, don't you think? They just want the guy that they think is most talented. I don't think they're looking at fit. I don't think they care, which I think would be the right move. I agree with you. I think the front office would go Jalen Green because they think he has higher upside and they feel the coaching staff should be able to get him there, which, to to be fair, is the correct way to do it. (laughs) That is the correct way to do it. So I think that's a different thing. Meanwhile, obviously, if you you want to talk about Steph and Draymond, they want someone who's going to help them next year. They don't care if it's a rookie. They don't care if it's a rookie like Tyrese Halliburton, (laughs) who is just ready to go, or it's you trade the pick for a veteran, which is the more likely way to get someone who can help you. Mm -hmm. They want someone who they can count on to give rotation minutes because they're not interested in drafting another James Wiseman and waiting for him in two to three years. Yeah, I think I think they've they've said that. I think the front office knows that, and that's where I think that 14th pick is is going. There's just no way, and and it's like it's it's pick 14, right? Like what OKC did, did this year is you throw they drafted a guy Poku, where you're just like, I mean, who knows whether he could play basketball or not? Like who people don't even know the guy. He ends up being a hit. He ends up being fine, but that's he's at least interesting. Pick, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but it's like the Warriors aren't gonna. That's not gonna fly. Right. Like if, if you're Stephen Draymond, you're saying, yeah, OK, you can use one of the picks. I think that's fair. But but one of them's got to go. And I, I'd be curious to see if, if Draymond says, like, 
if, if uh, who do you, who, who's like one of the more raw prospects at, at the seventh spot, Sam, who's one of the guys that probably needs a little bit more seasoning. Who do you think? I mean, Scotty Barnes, it's debatable if he can shoot. Yeah. So that's, that's a major issue. Jalen Johnson has all the talent in the world, but he's kind of bounced around and there's questions about him. Uh, yeah. Keon Johnson, Keon Johnson's actually the raw high upside guy. That's the guy that some people think can be like one B to Jalen Green's one A in terms of Ooh. like that scoring guard, like ultra athletic type, but also, um, you know, three he, years away. Yeah. I mean, he kind of showed flashes in college. It's not a sure thing. He's definitely going to be a guy who has year one lumps. So I'd be fascinated to see if Draymond, if he has a say in this, or Kerr is going to say, Keon Johnson and Davion Mitchell are there. Let's say Davion Mitchell is a guy that's ready to play the NBA and he's going to be good for a long time, but not great. Do they go with Davion Mitchell or do they go with Keon Johnson, who you think may be great? Right? Like that, that's a question that I, I'm fascinated by, by the right. second pick, because the Warriors are right there. And it's like, if, J- if Draymond had a shot at it, he'd probably say, give me Davion. The guy can play defense. The guy plays really hard. He seems like one of those Pat Bev types, right? Like those type of dogs. And it's just a Marcus Smart type. It's like, just get that guy. That's probably what Draymond will want. I'd be curious. That is definitely what Draymond and Steph would want. They're <laughs> curious. They want to get someone who can get them in there immediately. And if it's not Davion Mitchell, but like the general concept of someone who's ready to contribute in year one, as opposed to someone who is, you know, a project and, and I totally get it, but it's like the Warriors are in a weird position like that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You want to open this to questions? Yeah, let's do it. I want to hear what people okay. think. Ah, Someone okay. said Davion is 5'6". <laughs> Relax, man. Jesus. All right, we're gonna, we got option zero up here. Can you guys hear me? It is good. You're very good? loud. Yes. <laughs> okay, Andy, how is it possible you're Asian? You still can't explain the, the KD D'Lo stuff after the Discord spent like two years talking about it. This, man. Is, this is why I leave it to you, brother. This is why I leave it to Spider. All right, can I get two minutes on this? <laughs> okay, Damon is saying that we got basically Wiggins and seven for D'Lo. That's not the cost. Uh, we could have done some cap games and basically – just to summarize it, gotten like a $30 million TPE, not traded Iguodala, not given Memphis a first. So think about all the stuff we gave up to get to D'Lo is whatever you could have traded Iguodala for. It's the first that Memphis owns, which is 2024. Uh, um, you, you, don't, you don't know that KD would have agreed to sign and trade with the TPE. 
well, pretty much everybody does it for the cost of like a second or some bullshit. I mean, there's no okay. reason why they would. I mean, even Charlotte did it for Boston, which is basically the same concept. Miami and Cleveland did it for LeBron and Chris Bosh. I mean, it's just, this is like not not that complicated stuff. You just you just do it for a pick. I mean, he does like, he does he does get the seven point five percent raise as opposed to four point five. So yes. whatever the math Fair. is, it doesn't really matter. But that's basically it's not just dealer for Wiggins and seven. It's it's whatever else you could have done with other options. But um, I didn't watch a single minute of any prospect, so I'm not even going to pretend like I know who's good or not. But what are your guys' thoughts on getting seven and fourteen and the effects of the front office like pushing for Steph? Or does seven and fourteen lead them to this to sticking with win and develop at the same time? That kind of bullshit, which is the number one question. So what do you guys think about that? Is is my main thing. And do you guys think there's a non zero chance we use fourteen to lower payroll? Because when you read that Kawakami piece, oh. I agree with Sam. Like a lot of that's just bullshit bluster. But look, there's like two paragraphs of Lake up talking about we have the highest payroll, it's not feasible to maintain four hundred million dollars, uh something something COVID, something something ticket sales, something something we have, you know, X number of profit loss, yada yada yada. So that's all I was I was asking about. It's the curry the curry effect, uh Lake up being cheap, and I don't really know anything about the prospects, so I'll let you guys talk about it more. Right. Ozzy, Ozzy, appreciate you. So I don't think the 14th pick would be any sort of cap casualty because inevitably mid first round picks are cheap. Like you're gonna end up paying that guy two to three million dollars a year for four years. So I don't think money comes into factor there. It is a question that the Warriors want to put two new rookies on their on their roster. Like that's the bigger question. It, are they going to be able to compete with two rookies, Wiseman, and all this stuff? I think that the um, Ozzy makes a great point because I think some fans and and I don't know what Steph feels, but maybe feel like there's two options, right? Like they get two picks or or they're going to trade those two picks for something else. You know what the Warriors are going to do? They're going to do what they did last season. They're trying to play the middle, which I, I don't know if it worked out last season. Maybe with Clay, it would have been a different story. But I think they're going to trade it for, you know, Marcus Smart. I don't, I'm just throwing a name out there, guys. I'm not saying that's it. But they're going to try to trade that pick for a nice vet player. Remember that the 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 Spurs did that for um, – or excuse me, the, the they got George Hill out of that, right? The George Hill, Kawhi Leonard trade. Just a solid vet guy. I think they'll do that to appease Steph, Draymond, and Clay. And then they'll use the seventh pick to draft someone that they think is high, has talent. Like, they'll try to play both sides. Whether that's the right move or not, as for all of us to debate for months and months and months and before by the, way, the draft happens. And by the way, it could be the right move, but they have to actually know how to develop players, which was the issue this year. And that's why you saw them make the coaching staff changes. So I don't know if the new coaching staff changes are going to be better. I hope they are. To me, that's at least an acknowledgement that like the staff was not doing a good enough job developing players. And I think anyone who's honest would say that that's true because you look at other teams, you look at like Toronto, you look at OKC. That's not a good example. I I guess Toronto is probably the best example. Um, Miami's a good example of teams who are able to compete on some level while also developing players on the fringes. It's not impossible to do. The Spurs have done it for years. But you have to actually know how to develop players. You you have to actually know how to take a young player and get them up to speed to be productive in a role. And, you know, it's it's not 
it's not about like being critical of the Warriors because they haven't had to do it in the past. Well, the, but it's, mean, an acknowledge, it's an acknowledgement that, it, you know, just saying you want to compete and develop at the same time doesn't mean anything. Like you have to actually do something. To be to be fair, the Warriors are critical of themselves. They 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 just fired some well, let go of some people, restructuring exactly. some people, and they're adding some new people. So we're not we're not just saying shit. All right, let's keep it moving. <laughs> All right, so there's no one on the speaker list. So if you want to speak, uh, mention it in the chat, and I'll just pull you on the stage right now. Oh, does it just like go one by one or something? Is is that what's going on? It just doesn't work. I have Mikis coming up, and then we'll go Maxwell next. No. Yo, gentlemen, how we doing tonight? Oh, Mike Mikas, how's today, it going? Right? Yeah. I'm not I'm not driving. I'm at home, so I can you know. Mike Mikas is always Mike Mikas is in the in a Corvette going down some some roads in South <laughs> Beach, just like giving us 20 seconds of his time at all times. Living the um, we have some Bob Myers quotes here. I'm going to read them if we haven't Ooh. seen them yet. But uh, Minnesota, that pick being conveyed is great. Uh, on whether he'd be comfortable adding two rookies. It depends. I have no idea what we can do with 14 or 7 or them together. I'm sure we'll find out. But having two swings at what we think is a really good draft is important for many reasons. It is, in our opinion, a pretty deep draft. So it's nice to have two picks in it. Can we get some live reactions to those um, quotes? And also, I'm curious if uh, Sam sources, I know that Pascal Siakam has been floated. (laughs) Do we think Toronto falling in the top four maybe makes it harder or maybe possibly that the Warriors have a less palatable package since they have such a high pick. Do we think that that uh, affects them at all? Uh, you know, what do you guys think? And maybe last question too. I, my first year watching the Warriors was Harry B's, I think his second season, it was 2013, 2014. Do we think, you know, if we, if you were to guarantee that this player that we drafted at seven could be as good as second year Harry B by year two, would we be happy keeping that pick at seven or would we still be hoping Ooh, we could move for a different that's player? A good one. Ooh, that is so, a great question. Those are guess, my three rapid fire questions. You guys ooh. do them what you want. <laughs> All right, let's start on the Bob Myers quotes. Just to me, and I saw them and I meant to bring them up, but we were in the middle of a conversation. Peak Bob Myers. Um, <laughs> saying everything while saying nothing at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Like I, you, you read the quote and he's like, it's great to have options. I would love to have some young players. I'd also love to have some veterans. I will see it. I'm, I'm walking away from it. It's like, I have no clue what he wants to do with those at all. Like I have an inkling. He'd rather put out a team on the court that is a little more veteran because he feels a certain level of loyalty to like Steph and clay and wants to go for it. But sure. like nothing he said tips a hand. In any- <laughs> yeah. I, I, and by the way, I'd hope not. I'd hope not. It shouldn't be walking out there saying, yeah, you know, we, we're trying to win, guys. We are trying to chase wins. We are going to look at trading seven and fourteen for good players. Now, send me your trade offers. You know, I, I hope it's not what he's saying. So, uh, no, it's 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 good. I, it's I think the timeline is saying he sounds unhappy. I didn't see, I didn't hear the audio, but I'd love to see kind of his tone. Bob Myers just seems, he seems he's getting beat up the last couple of years. You know, I hope I hope he's uh, I hope he's finding joy somewhere. I hope he's I hope he's chasing happiness somewhere. He, so he seems very sad. Um, yeah, and and and. Um... I mean, it's always worth mentioning. Bob does not have the autonomy other GMs do. Uh, that's why Andy and I are never ultra critical of Bob Myers. No. Um, I can't hold him accountable for a decision I'm not sure he would have wanted to make. He, we know the Lakers love yeah. to. Uh, they, I mean, end of the day, the owner's the boss. It's it's in some ways it's a uh, it's like a Mavericks Cuban situation in the Bay Area, right? Ooh. So. Um, and I'm not saying that is a bad thing. The Mavs won title. They're competitive under Cuban, but like 
no one has ever been ultra critical of Donnie Nelson because they're, they're aware of the fact that like, you know, he, he gets vetoed here and there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to deal with the Lake of thing. You got to deal with uh, Steve Kerr. And I say deal, meaning you just, that's how, that's what his job is. Um, it's not Masai Ujiri. Uh, I'm going to take his third question uh, with regards to Harrison Barnes. Um, I think if that were the option on the table for the seventh pick, I think I take it, Sam, because you remember Harrison Barnes in a second season, there was a lot more upside there we thought that he could have. So now if you're telling me it's Harrison Barnes' career, you know, maybe maybe a little different, but in terms of who he was at the second pick, he had a, he showed a lot of flashes. Um he could shoot, he could defend. Like the guy was going to end up be we thought he could be like a fringe all star type of player. Um he's in a conference. It's worth noting, um, Luol Deng was also the number seven overall pick. This is random. Wow, um, that is really and, Har- like and Harrison Barnes, some people thought he was like Luol Deng. I would say they're actually both excellent returns for the number seven pick because as much as you want Steph Curry, like if everyone knew yeah. Steph Curry was going to be Steph yeah. Curry, he'd have gone number one. He'd have gone number one, right? Like – if you redrafted 2009 with what you know in 2021, it's Stephen Harden at the top and Blake Griffin very clearly third, right? Um, so when you think about it, like the return of a player of Harrison Barnes or Luol Deng's caliber at the seventh pick, that's pretty good. That's like kind of above average for what you expect at that range because end of the day, every draft – produces at most four all-stars usually less than two usually get like one to two franchise players another one to two like borderline all-stars let's call them like the malcolm brogdon pascal siakam tier where they're like some years they're an all-star some years they're not but they're good players and like a dozen starters half dozen starters and when you start thinking of it that way it's like you know the seventh overall pick if you can just get a guy who's a very consistent winning starter. Like Mike did ask about Pascal Siakam. You take that one, Sam. Yeah. Oh, oh so the Toronto question. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think Toronto getting a top three pick makes it – I don't think it matters, honestly. Toronto could decide to go full rebuild, and they might want to trade Siakam for another pick. Maybe they like Moses Moody or Franz Wagner or Josh Giddy. Maybe they want like to pair Evan Mobley with one of those players. I don't think it actually has any bearing on whether they'll trade him or not. I think the bearing is he's out till mid-November at the earliest. I It's a shoulder injury. He could be out until Christmas. Um, I don't know if the Warriors want to trade for Siakam when it's just unclear where he's going to be next year and all that sort of stuff. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe the health comes back to it and it's not as bad as um, – you know, maybe it's a risk you're willing to take, but like the shoulder surgery is a little worrisome when, um, and, and this isn't like an unknown thing. Like Siakam had been, it's like Ben Simmons. People around the league were always like, you know, I could see him getting traded, right? Yeah. Um, which, which, Kayvon Garcia says he could yeah, be on the court. Gonna... He could be on the so- court soon. Uh, I'm not discounting that. I'm just saying it's a curveball. Um, I don't have access to his medical records. I can't speak on like 
how serious the shoulder injury was or what he's getting like is it, did he just have like a minor thing or is it the type of thing where it might sure, take sure, a year sure. and change right so like sure. i'm yeah. just gonna assume like in general having your shooting shoulder operate on is never a good sign yeah yeah let's keep it moving all right i'm gonna, I'm gonna bring up maxwell next and then if you can mention in the chat who else wanted to speak i saw ryan wanted to speak maxwell what's up man what's up guys all right by the way, I wanted to give Andy a shout out because he's absolutely right about Cassidy Hubbard. She is so hot. It's, <laughs> relax. He, he, he's well, on the money. Relax, guys. <laughs> I said respectfully. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to run two things by you guys. Um, first, I know Ben Simmons' stock couldn't be lower, but I would much rather have Ben Simmons and Draymond because I think Simmons is a better rebounder and playmaker. Obviously, Draymond is better defensively, but you're going from the best defender in the league to a top five defender, so I don't feel it's as big as a drop-off as some would think. And there's also the obvious youth factor. So I wanted to know how you guys would feel about that. And also, my second thing, regarding the like-up statement, I know Warriors t- Twitter was enraged over it, but I didn't I didn't really have an issue with it. And I, I find how people reacted to it was pretty hypocritical because almost universally, NBA fans are, you know, pro players and not pro owners. And everyone is in support of player movement and player freedom. And here you have a case where the owner is being pro-player movement, but people are crucifying him. So what do you guys think about his comments and the reaction to it? Those are two great questions. So let's start with the – by the way, we appreciate you, Maxwell. Let's start with the second one. Um, I personally am entertained by Joe Lacob. Just because I don't take him serious. Like I don't take what he tells TK or anyone in the media serious. Like. He's playing a character. He's being smart about it. Like the tells aren't like the statements. Like, do you think he's happy Katie left? Of course not. But he's saying like the right thing because he doesn't want to burn bridges for the next player. Like he's, he's, he, the over, like it's Steph's choice to me is like very about, he's not trying, he's not trying to be that guy. You know, you're not that guy, pal. No, he's not, he's not trying to be uh he's not trying to be like Dan Gilbert with like a comic sans letter screaming at a player. Like I think it's just kind of like his attempt at like doing that sort of thing. So I don't read I, I, I never read too much into it. I always try to read between the lines when he speaks, see what kind of tells he gives that he didn't mean to tell. Not like his excitement about James Wiseman. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, I'm with you there. Um, by the way, uh, I know Maxwell had another question, Sam, and I'm going to let you answer that. But um, one thing, Jonathan Wasserman, friend of the show, we will have him on at some point. We will probably have him on multiple times. Um, just had a quick mock draft. He predicted Davion Mitchell to the Warriors at seven. So there you go. And then another quote, uh, <laughs> Bob Myers, we are not trying to develop players at the risk of losing. We're not trying to develop and have it cost us games. That is not the plan. <laughs> So uh, apparently Bob Myers listens to the podcast and he listens to Spotify Green Room. So he's talking directly to the to our to our listeners and, and the fans. So uh, pretty cool. What do you think about Davion Mitchell? <laughs> uh, Davion Mitchell was one of those players that I got to watch because I don't watch college basketball. And so when he was in the March, yeah, Madness, you're, I was you're, one you're, of those a turna- you're a tournament guy. Yeah. So um you, you want Davion Mitchell and, and Johnny Juzang, and you're good. Yeah, I mean, Johnny Juzang, I want him regardless. Um, uh, Mitchell seems like a try-hard type of player, right? Like, I've gotten – the stuff that you told me, the stuff that I've read about him is that can he actually shoot? Um, here's my thing, Sam, about this draft. 
I if they're going to draft two guys, those guys better be able to shoot the basketball. I love Scotty Barnes. I love him because that's the guy that that's the type of player I love. He's smart. He's long. He's athletic. He knows how to play basketball, right? He's got all that. I bet Kerr loves him. But man, if at seven they don't draft the guy that can shoot, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we to doing? me, to, to me, it's I, I've been going through everything from last year, and we'll talk about this on other pods. But um, they better be either a knockdown shooter or a legitimate playmaker. That's where I come down on it because, like, we have a lot of fake shooters on the Warriors and a lot of fake playmakers. You know, like Wiggins shot thirty eight percent from three, but I don't know if he's a real shooter, and. You know, I know he's not a real playmaker. So it's like, what do you really do? I don't even need to talk about Bazemore, Ubre, or those guys to you. You know, like goes out saying, but it's like, you got to be able to do, ideally you want someone who can do both, but you know, you have someone who does both. That's like Steph Curry, right? So um, give me one or the other in some capacity. And I don't know if Damian Mitchell is the answer. You're going to have to remind me, what was, what was Maxwell's first question? I, dude, I, I, Maxwell, I'm so sorry. I, I had it in my head too. And I, and I just, I forgot. Um, but the other thing too, about Davion Mitchell is. Oh, oh Benson. Ben Simmons, Simmons, that's what it was. I yeah. Had I had to take that. I was ready to go. You want to take this one and then I'll go off of you. Uh, you, you give me your take first. Oh, so yeah. Ben Simmons or Draymond. <laughs> Come on, man. What are we doing here? Like, look, Lightyear's podcast has given Draymond some grief this season. Uh, you know, we've asked him to score eight points. We've asked him to shoot, you know, one layup a game. We we throw that – I throw that picture of him shooting an airballing wide-open layup on the timeline, but come on. Like, first of all, if we're talking about defense, the, Ben Simmons is fine on defense, but Draymond is all-time. He is elite to where he can change a game defensively, right? Protecting the rim and guarding out on the perimeter. He's not as good anymore, but he's elite. Ben Simmons is not that guy. He's not that guy. And then offensively, yeah, they're both kind of useless, but at least Draymond makes his free throws. So he's not, he's not as scared to shoot layups. Right. So I think just that in itself, like, come on. Yeah. So for me, it's a little, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little more pro Ben Simmons, but I'm not all the way there uh, because they are, there is a six year age gap and I don't know, man. Draymond keeps getting worse. So I, I'm i always a little worried. Like, will Ben Simmons ever be as good as peak Draymond? Probably not. Mm. But will he be better than 2022 Draymond? Mm, maybe, you know. But then on the flip side, I know with Draymond, like the best way to describe the two is the play that costs their seasons. Draymond mm. was willing to take the floater. Yeah, he's willing to, t- but he, he, he spent all year not taking that shot, like pa- doing this dumb thing Ben Simmons did, like <laughs> passing to non-shooters that when he had to take the shot, he had no clue how to make it. Right. We, whereas Ben Simmons just won't take the shot. Ben Simmons has superior physical talent than Draymond, but he's, I don't know, man, it is something's off there mentally. Maybe he gets over it, but like, that's, that worries me. I know at least with Draymond's mentally, you can't break the guy. There's nothing wrong with no, that. You know, no, you can't. it's more, it's more of like, is his skills and body going to decline? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think it's, I think it's dicey because like, if you can get Ben Simmons, right, it's a no brainer because he's 25 and Draymond's 31, you know, and he has superior physical gifts, but I just don't know that. And mental stuff well, is, is, it's just, 
you know, it's, it's a lot easier to, to lose 10 pounds of weight by going, uh, by getting on a diet than it is to, uh, you know, uh, deal with some mental blocks you might have. Correct. And I also think the question wouldn't be either of those. And, uh, it would be, it would be whether the Warriors can play Draymond and Ben Simmons together. Um, but let's keep moving with the callers. Let's, let's keep moving with these guys. Yeah. So if you want to speak, mention in the chat and I'll bring you up on stage. All right. Larry, come up here. Oh, that's right. Larry. Yeah, that's right. He was saying earlier. Can you hear me? We can hey, hear yeah. you. What's up, oh, man? Perfect. Hey, you know, if you guys uh, want to invite uh, Javoni, you got to invite Evan Z, too, because he's probably the biggest Davia uh, Mitchell hater out there. We'll get him on the pod. Um, I mean, I'm just excited. We've been waiting to – we've been pushing off draft content because it's like, well, I don't want to talk about prospects if they don't have a pick in that range. Right, Andy? Like, we're just yeah. like, let's wait to see where the pick lies before we go there. Yeah. Anyway, Larry, what's going on? Yeah, the question I want to ask you is like, how, what, what do you guys actually look for when you talk about shooting that translates from college to the NBA, right? Because I remember um, Jacob Evans was a good shooter in college, but he was, you know, a bust in the NBA. Whereas I guess Jordan Poole is a good shooter in college, but he's, you know, decent in the NBA now. So I'm just curious, what kind of skills do you guys look for that translates from college to the NBA with respect to shooting? That's a great question. Andy, you want to go first? I have a couple thoughts, but... What do you, what do you look for when, like beyond the percentages? Well, I would look for where they're shooting the ball and the type of shots that they're taking. Um, I think one guy that, that, that speaks out to me a lot was Bradley Beal, who, who didn't shoot very well in college, but the way he shot the ball, you look percentages at percentages are pedestrian. Yeah. Yeah. It was very pedestrian, but I'm not a shooting coach. I'm not a, sh- like I shoot, but like, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a strike, like a sniper when I play basketball. Right. But you watch Bradley Beal and you're like, yeah, that guy can shoot. And also you're looking at the type of shots that he was taking on that Florida team. And you're like, yeah, those shots are great. Like when you, the same thing went for kind of Jordan Poole, uh, the type of shots that he was taking at Michigan. Actually, you know what? The type of shots that Jordan Poole takes now, you're just like, yeah, no wonder your percentage is, is what it is. Right. Because if you, if you yeah, were Steph Curry. Into, yeah, yeah. If you're shooting Steph Curry shots when you're more, you know, I don't know. So I would, I would, uh, I would throw, t- I would throw mm-hmm. a couple other things into it. Um, speed to shoot. Um, there is a big difference between. I would rather take Jordan Poole, who's willing to put it up if he's open, and he puts it up quickly, shooting thirty six percent, than Juan Toscano-Anderson shooting forty percent, but taking his sweet ass time to make sure he's wide open to shoot it. I think that's always a tell. Good shooters have a fast release, and they never hesitate if they're open. Guys like Juan Scott Anderson, Draymond Green, it's not that they're incapable of shooting, but you know Juan's not looking to shoot the ball ever, right? He's always thinking about it. I'm looking, I'm looking for guys who, if they're open, it goes up. And the second thing is free throw percentage for me is yeah, it's just, it's a bigger bad. tell than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's the most it's the easiest. It's the same motion for everyone. You go to a line, you shoot. Good players shoot 85% plus from the line. Bad shooters don't, you know? So those would be my I, big things. A lot Go of ahead. people are, sh- are saying the type of shots and, and ability to shoot off off movement and stuff. I, I think that's tough, though. I, I think that's – not a lot of NBA shooters can shoot consistently off. Like, that's what makes Steph Curry the greatest shooter of all time is he can shoot off the dribble and off movement. Um, Jordan Poole has a lot of trouble shooting off screens when he's running off ball. Like Because that, that's not how he plays basketball. And so 
I, yeah, he's more comfortable. He's more comfortable with a step back off the bounce than he is coming off the most curl. players these days too, right? Like that's most yeah. players. But like I'm, I'm in my head, I'm like, yeah, that's great, but man, that's tough. Like I, I guess the guy when you're looking at in the seven range, just people keep talking about Moses Moody, Moody as that shooter. So I guess that's what you're looking for in that guy, right? Or, or whatever. But uh, but yeah, that's tough. That's tough to be able to shoot. I don't know how many players <laughs> now can shoot. Um, can shoot coming off the curl. Cur- cur- yeah. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah, there's more people that can shoot just a just a step back three than coming off a screen because nobody does that. Muscle memory isn't there. Uh, but I'm I'm okay. I'm okay there. with I'm okay with that because it's not easy to shoot a step back. Um, and if you if you discount the talent it takes to shoot a step back, you're just being yeah, scheme yeah, rigid. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I'm if you're looking curved. for just pure. Yeah, if you're just being <laughs> like like James Harden is an amazing shooter, and James Harden will never take a shot off a catch. He always has to put a bounce on the floor, right? And right, it's right. infuriating because I'm like, dude, there's no reason you can't just do a catch and shoot. Like I know you can hit that. Um, he's gone too far in one direction, but like, <laughs> the the point is, if you want to judge pure shooting ability, it's like their willingness and their ability to hit it consistently it does not matter the type of shot it's just like good shooters will put it up if they're at their spot and in their move and if their move is a step back that's cool if their move is coming off of a curl that's cool too a pin down whatever but like good shooters don't hesitate guys who shoot because they have to to make the defense honest always hesitate like yeah, Juan, yeah i like i really hate picking on Juan, but like he's just the most obvious example really good basketball player high iq does a lot of winning things, but like he thinks every time he shoots the ball. And if he didn't think when he shot the ball, he'd be a 40 minute a game guy because he's too good at everything else. So, um, you know, that that's what I kind of look for there. I appreciate the question. That's a good question. We have Diego here. Hey, what's up, guys? Can you hear me? Hey. We can hear you. What's up, Diego? Hey, hey, hey. Real quick, I just want to say thank you. Uh, after my our meeting, uh, I got a B-plus in my finals, so I graduated college. So thank you, guys. Uh, Congratulations. Appreciate it, man. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I guess my question is uh, related to, I guess, Kerr's comments about KD. And I think, Sam, you brought up a really good point on Twitter earlier, how I feel like Kerr's comments are going to slowly start creating this reception, you know? With Golden State, because as we've seen, like so much star power, uh, any player can go wherever they want. And so now I'm getting kind of more nervous, more so than like where we pick it, et cetera, uh, with just like maybe the reception of Kerr. And I just kind of want to get your thoughts on that. I think it's a great question. Um, Andy, what did you think when you saw those Steve Kerr quotes? Let's start there. <laughs> I, let's start there. I, I, uh, it was not one. It was not surprising because the stuff you hear about Steve Kerr uh, as a coach and and how he feels, he is he is a talker. He has very strong beliefs. He is very stubborn. And I think he has very strong old school beliefs. And and frankly, I don't think they're incorrect. I think they come from a good place. I think Steve Kerr wants to play basketball what he thinks is the right way, and that way has won. He wants to defend. He wants to like all these things. But here's the thing, and I think that that what that quote tells me is. He has to kind of let go of how he grew up playing basketball and how they view basketball. Um, and I think that you can kind of see that in the quote where he jokingly says, you know, KD's on his phone all day, right? Like that type of stuff. That's, that's stuff you'd hear from your parents. 
<laughs> right where they're just like like my mom also by the way can i can i just say this since we're deep enough into a podcast <laughs> shut up man you're on twitter all day retweeting the lincoln project go away man it's like it's i don't know i i'm, I'm very like yes players probably should not be on social media the amount they are none of us should what what are we doing here you're not helping like what what like you're you're not helping like yeah it's just it these are pointless comments and this is why the organization has you know they're, they're a little worried about that sort of stuff is my perception that's why that's why steve kerr decided to take shots at drew schiller who he knew he wouldn't get in trouble i don't know it's just it's i it's you're not making friends with players like you i'll put it this way steph is Steph is the last of a dying breed, right? Let's just put it that way. You're not going to, uh, you know, future players are all, they're more on their phones. They're more socially um, active. And that's just the reality of it. None of us can talk about it. Literally, we all listen to podcasts and comment on social media. That's how we're here, right? So like, why are, you know, just what are we doing? (laughs) Now, to be fair, uh, Kawhi, yeah, Ryan goes. Kawhi is the last of read. Kawhi is the last. I'll give you that. Kawhi calling it the webs was <laughs> one of the funniest things I I've seen in a long time. Breed, I think last of the dying breed in terms of Steph. I think is Steph. I think. I think what I think of that is. I think Steph is coachable, and I think a lot of a lot of NBA players now. If you're a superstar, if you want to play for a team, you're you're usually just kind of doing your things. And look at Ben Simmons. He's not good enough to be doing things the way he's doing it, but he's doing it. And now look where he is. Actually, I guess he's fine. Made a lot of money, but he's never going to be. You know who who people thought he was going to be as number one pick. Um, I, I guess to defend Kerr a little bit, it, it is you know the stuff that you. I don't think him and KD are on the best of terms, and that would be interesting to see them go, you know, be fake with each other in the in the Olympics. But you see KD all the time throwing shots on social media and saying stuff, and I think if you're Steve Kerr, which is ironic, he's probably listening to that all day long. He's probably sick of it too. So uh, I think it goes both ways. Um, Steve's Steve's in here. I'm trying to figure out which one of these is Steve's oh, yeah. burner. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. By the way, Bob Myers, I'm going to get to Ryan next, but Bob Myers said post-lottery expressing a willingness to add two more rookies at 7-14th. He says Harrison Barnes was the seventh pick. He helped us as a rookie. Uh, we're in smokescreen season, boys. We are in smokescreen season. You can't really take exciting, it. Though. You can't take it that serious. Bob, Bob is nothing if not someone who knows how to play the media. Ryan, what's up, man? Hey, nothing much. Finished school, all that stuff. Now, uh, stressing about one. Warriors draft stuff. Going to get a master's in uh, draft in draft draftology. So there we go. That's the plan now. But first, uh, this organization just loves hearing itself talk. So anything that comes out <laughs> of Kerr and Lakeup's mouth, take it with eighty grains of salt. Actually, take it with the entire pitcher of salt if you want. Secondly, I have two draft things. A, have you guys watched the movie Draft Day? I have. Shout out Kevin Costner. Okay. Yes. Um, so this organization, it just screams that they have like this little uh, post-it note that says Scotty Barnes over anything on it for some reason. <laughs> just feels like it. My little inkling is that the, everyone in the organization just seems to love high basketball IQ players from Draymond on down to Lakeup, to Myers, all of them. It just seems like just, something they just take. Just get a dude in a suit who knows how to draw on a whiteboard, and they exactly. are. Exactly. 
there. Oh, the they're going to, they're going to have a, Curry's going to retire and he's going to do Curry point guard camp, like John Gruden on the board. That's what's going to happen. Nice. <laughs> but, um, but then, um, but then the last thing, how about, I don't think we've talked about this, but the trade up options at number four with the Raptors, I think is quite interesting, especially if they go Mobley at three with the Cavaliers. It just seems like Masai is the guy who loves to have more shots at it than one shot at it. And going and getting 714 in a future from Golden State for, let's say, if Suggs is on the table seems like an interesting thing, especially considering that Suggs doesn't seem like a Toronto player when Kuminga, Moody, and Barnes are on the board for them. Definitely. Definitely. That is an interesting point, Ryan. Um, I hadn't even entertained the trade-up options because... I don't know that the Warriors are just enamored with a top prospect, but just to your point, and I'm going to keep moving, um, I don't know that I want to make a trade with Masai Ujiri. I just, when it comes to talent evaluation, I just feel like Masai is probably better at it that than you. You know, it's <laughs> like, it's, it's, I just don't know that I'm willing to go there. Here's what, here's what we know Masai Ujiri loves the mellow ball. So, yes, let's move it along. All right, let's get to the last one. Someone mention in the chat if you want to speak, and I will bring you on stage. Dylan, what's up, man? Hey, not much. So my question is is sort of related to the question we just asked about trade-up options, but my specific question is because Detroit ended up at number one and they love centers so much, do we think there might be a Wiseman trade-up option? And the second part of my question is how far would we be willing to go? Because – the obvious one is Wiseman seven and fourteen, but what if we call them and give them that offer, and they come back with, "What about Wiseman seven and another future first round pick, or you know, pool, or you know, something like that?" Like, how far would you guys be willing to go? Are, to get are, we, trying, are we in the Cade sweepstakes right now? I'm willing yeah. to. I'm willing to trade Andy. I'll trade producer Tim. <laughs> I'm I'm only giving up Neil uh, with certain draft protections, so. Um, you know what? I don't. I don't think Detroit's going to entertain it because Cade is. He's just. He's a sure thing. You know, like I just can't see a team like that trading a sure thing. But like, honestly, if it's on the table, they can have Wiseman, the seven for it. Like Cade is one of my favorite prospects ever. So I, I yeah. personally, there's you know, it, <laughs> yes, I'm willing to do that stuff. I just don't think it's on the table. Yeah, I, I I'm with you. Um, I'm with you. So uh, the other thing about in terms of uh, the earlier question about Toronto and trading up and, and, and that one, I, I don't know if the Warriors, 14 is not high enough. Now, if you told me they had 10, 7 and 10 somehow, I think there'd be something there. They could get to 4, 5. Right, right. Like, yeah. Yeah, seven, four, 7 and four, seven and 14 might get them just to 5. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, yeah. like, yes, I'm like, I'd do that, actually. If you told me they could get a 5 for 7 and 14, I don't even know if they can get get that right like i think what's what's the trade a couple of years ago jackson hayes was in it i think i think who was it was it schlank was part of that deal where i think a 10 and something was traded for a move up something 10 like that, and 17 right? for four yeah um okay. but that wasn't a draft where um the fourth yeah pick was very valued jalen so, suggs it's not jalen suggs at four but um or, or jalen green so yeah it's just you, if you're moving up for a four it's tough why is rajon rondo making there? but anyway uh was that our last Smile. are we done that is our last caller. We're going to end it here. We'll be back on Thursday or Friday. We appreciate you all, guys. Uh, it's draft season. We're going to get some draft people on the show, Andy. All right, let's do Moses Moody week. We got Scotty Barnes week. We got 
Corey Kispert month. You know, we got time. Well, we're excited. We'll see you guys soon. Let's go, guys.